What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm, joined today by Chris Grenham and Nicole Yang. And we are going to keep talking about training camp. Basically, we're going to do kind of an overarching episode here, the four biggest questions that we see for the Celtics at, during training camp. And the first one that we have is the 15th man, the last person to make the Celtics roster, and then obviously the two-way slots that are kind of tied into that. And obviously, you know, we aren't seeing these practices. We don't know who's playing well. We don't know exactly what to be looking for here. But just any any initial impressions from media day, from just the, the guys who are available, who do we think, you know, will probably be the 15th man? And what are we kind of looking for for that role for the Celtics? I think entering camp, it's probably Jabari, but I very much think it's up for grabs with guys like Archie Diakono and Garrison Matthews. We touched on it a couple episodes ago, but Archie Diakono doesn't make a whole lot of sense because they just have too many guards. I do think Garrison Matthews makes a lot of sense. And I think I wrote about this actually in a story that published today. I think Garrison Matthews makes the most sense as the 15th guy. And I think Juwan Morgan makes the most sense for the second two-way slot. Now that two-way slot is up for grabs to the point where Brad could go outside of training camp and grab someone who is waived elsewhere. So there are other names that could be brought up there, but if I had my top pick, it would be Garrison Matthews over Jabari and then Juwan Morgan with the second two-way. In terms of what the Celtics want out of this spot, I honestly group the 15th spot sort of with the two-way players because I think it's all the same, especially with the new rules regarding two-way contracts and how they can be used basically whenever the team feels like it at this point. I think what they need out of that is what we've touched on previously, just versatile players that can offer contributions, whether that be offensively or defensively, which sounds so basic. But again, that's where the Celtics are at right now after having Taco Fall and Tremont Waters take up those spots the past two seasons. So they just need players that you can plug in and play especially given the Celtics vaccination issues and things like that. So they need players that can just fill in that role, probably wings, power forwards, like people with some size. And then in terms of like what their skill set is, you could make an argument for shooting. You can make an argument for defense just because Ime has really harped on defense. So whatever they decide there, I think is the team's discretion. But I really think it's about just being ready to play. Like they need to be able to step in on like a moment's notice and not be like, well, this is a wash. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, to me, honestly, that's the biggest case for Garrison Matthews. Like I know, Grenham, you said Jabari and, and like, I, I understand why, like it kind of feels like a guy who was on the roster last year and who still has some guaranteed money on his deal. You know, it seems like that would kind of put him in the driver's seat, but the guaranteed money is so low. The Celtics need consistent production. And I just think Garrison Matthews is a better player at this stage. And I think that he's probably more useful. Like he's probably, he's definitely a better shooter. And when you watched Jabari last year, I mean, he looked like, he looked like, a, like somebody who was trying to be like a small ball five but I mean, what, what use do the Celtics really have for that? Like Grant Williams can do it just as well. And he's already on the team. So I, I'm not high on Jabari Parker's chances of making the roster. Honestly, I don't, I don't think it's inconceivable, but I, I think we're looking a lot more likely for Garrison Matthews just based on his skill set. Yeah. The contract works against Jabari. I mean, they gave him, a, he was guaranteed a hundred grand at the end of July, I think it was. And then he's not guaranteed 1.1 million until opening night. So not a problem if they waive him, that non-guarantee is, uh, makes it easy to waive him. I should say Garrison Matthews fits that definition, like to a T he's the exact guy who steps up. He was on a two-way deal last year and he played in 64 games for the wizards and he was good. He was a contributor for the wizards last year on a two-way deal. 
that's something the Celtics did not have. So I think he's the ideal guy to be able to plug in and step up when needed. And Juwan Morgan's the same way as a young player who was way at the end of the Jazz bench in 2020. He started a couple of playoff games for them. And granted, they weren't major minutes, but these are guys who can step up and fill the end of the roster much more so than Jabari, because the case to be made with Jabari is, yeah, he's probably the closest thing they have to a four, like an actual four, and he has more size, but what Jabari brings with his size isn't appealing. He's not going to defend anyone because of his size. Like he, he doesn't move that well. So I don't see the size argument being sufficient enough to keep Jabari Parker around when you have a guy like Garrison Matthews there. And I don't want this to turn into a bash Jabari session, but like, what can he do? We did that when he got signed. I'm not opposed to it. (laughs) But like, literally, what can he do? Like, what can he do that's like exclusive to himself? I legitimately thought you were going to end it at what can he do? And then that was going to be the end of your sentence. Like, I thought that's what you were going (laughs) to Like, what skill sets are unique to himself? Like, I feel like we keep bringing up the size, which is valid. But doesn't Juancho Hernan Gomez fill that need at this point? And he's better than Jabari. And we don't even think Juancho is going to play. But still, this is a better option should that situation arise where they're just like, all right, we need a big body to just go out and maybe get some fouls and make things a little bit more challenging for like Kevin Durant. And in the modern NBA, Jabari's size doesn't matter that much if he doesn't move. If he moves like Jabari does, like, is he going to go stop Kevin Durant? Is is Jabari their Durant stopper? Like, no. Well, it's Jabari or uh, Wancho, so that tells you where the Celtics are at this year. They're screwed either way. Most teams are screwed against Kevin Durant either way, so I don't know. No, for sure. You look at Garrison Matthews and just the the, the shooting is just so much better, and and the it just makes things so much easier. It's like, I just feel like keeping Jabari around is just making things unnecessarily hard on yourself. It almost feels like keeping Garrison Matthews and cutting Jabari is the type of thing that I could see Brad doing that maybe Danny wouldn't have. Like Brad just coached in the NBA. He knows what types of players are super useful. And he's like, here you go, Ime. I got you. I got you a 15th man who can shoot instead of a 15th man who just like literally can't play. That happened to Brad sometimes, right? Where like Danny would bring somebody in because Danny's like, oh, I'm kind of intrigued by this guy. You could just kind of tell that Brad's reaction was like, I don't have anything to do with this guy. Like I can't use him. Can I have somebody else? (laughs) GM Brad might be more likely to make sure that every player is actually useful. And just one last thing. Jabari Parker has been in the NBA for like eight seasons now. It's not like there's some untapped lottery potential there exactly garrison matthews has been now i'm not saying garrison matthews is all of a sudden going to become this like awesome contributor for the celtics but he's only been in the league for two seasons now and we don't know what the celtics plans are moving forward but maybe there is a way he can develop into a reliable end of the bench guy that they'll want to keep around like especially if he's cheap who knows like there's just more options in terms of the future with him if they do want to keep him whereas like i just don't think if jabari is a piece for this season let alone beyond that whereas garrison legit could stick around you never know yeah and if the depth chart does get decimated at some point say there's like a when. slew of, when yes at this with this current roster the way it stands if when they hit a bad covid patch at some point then they're going to need someone at the end of the roster and garrison matthews archetype as a shooter actually does fit the roster pretty well he's a good off-ball shooter he knows how to move without the ball he knows how to come off picks and shoot off picks really quickly like it would fit the roster quite well if he had to play serious minutes at some point so it's not like he's a guy who needs the ball in his hands all the time he plays hard 
I just think it makes a lot of sense more so again than a guy like Jabari or Archie Diakono who there's just no room for. I do think regardless of the decision we won't know until like as close to the season opener as possible like I think this is going to be drawn out especially too because of what Grenham pointed out they could want to poach from other teams depending who gets cut in other places so I don't think we will have an answer to this anytime soon. Yeah I think they have until the night it's the 19th or the 20th for Jabari's guarantee so they have time it's not like he gets guaranteed that 1.1 in the middle of camp they got time so they can wait as long as they want really 100 percent. all right question number two al horford versus rob williams in the starting lineup now this obviously this and the next question assume that the celtics are not going to go double big i mean i I don't think that's a safe assumption that's just kind of what i would guess and i think i think we all agree on that that it seems most likely that they would not go double big but i also don't think any of us are like ruling that out at this stage like celtics could do anything so assuming they don't go double big, Al Horford versus Rob Williams in the starting lineup, who do you think is, is most likely to land that spot? Ime Udoka sounded pretty high on Al Horford's fit on this roster, on his ability, on kind of capitalizing on that, running the offense through him alongside Tatum, Smart, Brown. So I'm going to go with Horford just because of the way Ime talked about him. I think it was pretty telling, honestly. Just to read that quote real quick for the pod here, it was overall his playmaking, he's a big that can handle the ball, pass the ball, as well as shoot it so we can initiate offense through him. Some of the things I mentioned in Philadelphia where teams were putting their big on Joel and two guards on him at times, so we didn't always take advantage of it. So I told him to be who he is. He got back to that in Oklahoma City somewhat last year, and we're looking to take advantage of that. And just kind of talks about his leadership, versatility, and all that. So I I thought that was uh, eye-opening. I also think it's going to be Al, again, hedging that it's day one of training camp. I think because one, Ime has familiarity with Al and what he can do. And two, we're starting to get to know Ime now, but I think just deferring to the veteran, especially to start the season, makes a lot of sense. I'm not ruling out Rob eventually earning the role or the double big, to be honest. Like Zach Lowe thinks they're going to start double big. So there's totally the possibility of either of those. But I think season opener Al Horford will be in the starting lineup. The head coach is always like their goal is to win games, right? It's not for like the future of the franchise. It's like, let me win basketball games right now. And I think if the head coach has permission from the front office to use veterans, the head coach is probably going to use veterans. And this head coach has a front office that includes Brad Stevens, who loves him a good veteran. So like, I do think that Al Horford, like there's a good chance he starts. I also think it was interesting. Rob didn't seem super confident yesterday. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. Yesterday at media day, when he was asked, you know, like about starting, somebody basically mentioned to him, like, yeah, you're probably the starter now. And Rob, you know, like he just kind of like he didn't seem like, oh, yeah, like I'm the starter now. It's kind of like, I mean, you know, well, we'll see. And I also thought, I mean, we joked about it yesterday, but Rob talked about Andre Drummond when he talks about the Sixers, yeah. right? He didn't talk about Joel Embiid. It kind of makes me think that Rob's like, oh, like I got to bulk up for the backup center on the 76ers. Like he's not thinking about guarding Joel. He just like, showed us his cards without really knowing he yeah. showed us his cards. <laughs> and I mean, I don't think it's impossible that Rob is the starter. Like Rob's a really good basketball player, but yeah. like, I feel like some of the early signs are, yeah, like Al might start. I think so. Also, it's weird coming off a major contract extension like that, that he might not be the starter. Like normally you pay a guy like that, there's a damn good chance they're going to be your top dog, at least in the front court with Rob, but they have options right now. And there's certainly an appeal for a coach to go and use the veteran guy. 
Also, in comparison to the way you may talked about Al Horford today, he spoke about growth when he talked about Rob and sort of like building him up. And I think his responses regarding those two guys were very different. Rob, it was like building into him and Al, it was like capitalizing on what he has now. Grenham, you know, you mentioned that they just extended him and, and usually that means big minutes. I mean, they gave him a $48 million extension. Like that's like, yeah, that's, that, that's not like, oh, we just gave this guy 80 million. He's got to start. I mean, like 48 million is not that much money by NBA terms, especially considering like that was split the difference money, right? Like if yeah. Rob is a really good backup center for the life of that contract, it's like, it's a disappointment for sure, but it's not like a disaster. I do think the Celtics have time under that. I mean, they have time anyway, because he's literally under contract through 2026. Six. And I don't think Rob is going to be like, they owe me a starting spot. They extended me, you know, that we like, no, I mean, they extended him like for like, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 million a year. It's not that much money. That's a fair point. It's not like he got a, you know, max extension off of his rookie deal or anything crazy like that. And then I think the last thing for me, I do wonder if, if even Rob is kind of, because Rob loves Al Horford, almost like a big brother thing, right? Where like when he came into the league, Al was the guy who showed him, you know, how to be a big man in the, in the NBA. Like he learned how to be like a professional. He learned how to like, you know, he watched Al be like a father and like, you know, a grown up in the NBA. You know, I do wonder if there's a little bit of that big brother thing going on with Horford where Rob looks up to him anyway. So I don't know that he would be upset. To, I mean, I don't think Rob would be upset to be. Yeah. Rob seems like pretty amiable when it comes to like coaching <laughs> decisions. But I also think like, I think especially with Horford, there's something there that he respects a lot. But like, I do think locking up Rob and giving him that contract also just eases the decision here because it's not like he's going to be dying to get on the floor to get those minutes to show his potential so he can earn a contract. Like he has the security now, both from like a financial perspective and just from a contract. So I don't think he's going to be like worried about, I mean, obviously he wants to perform well, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be worried about like having the opportunity to show everything he can do. I think he'll exhibit a little bit more patience too. Agreed. Need to shout out our friends over at the Shades On Beer Company. They're the makers of the Geno Time Stout. I'm going to list off, I did it a couple episodes ago, I'm going to list off where the Geno Time Stout is available in the Boston area if you are interested in going and finding it. Craft Beer Cellar in Westford has it. Fort Point Market in Boston, which is in the Seaport District. Just Better Beer in Norfolk. RMA Craft Beer and Wine in Amesbury. And Dave's Fresh Pasta in Somerville. So those are places that definitely have the Genotime Stout. Obviously, if you live in New England, Boston area, Rhode Island, wherever you might be, keep an eye out for Shades on Beer Company products. Juice Fountain 3, they have plenty of really, really great products outside of the Genotime Stout. Check out their beer garden and tasting room in West Kingston if you're down in Rhode Island. But always, always keep an eye out for our friends at Shades on. All right, so question number three. Again, assuming the Celtics don't go double big in the starting lineup, kind of the other interesting starting lineup battle is Dennis Schroeder versus Josh Richardson. And we've, you know, we've all kind of given why I think we all kind of expect it to be Josh Richardson, or at least we have in the past. And any any kind of updated takes on Schroeder versus Richardson? And, you know, if not, you know, why Richardson makes more sense? I still think Richardson is the guy in the starting lineup. He has talked about, or he did talk about at media day, kind of molding into whatever the Celtics need him to be. That's an 
ideal guy to plug into the starting lineup in that two spot if they don't go double big. I think he fits the defensive mindset that Ime Odoka has spoken about time and time again. So I just think he makes a lot of sense. Ime Odoka also talked about having a punch off the bench and Dennis Schroeder is a really nice guy to lead that punch. I don't know how genuine this was or maybe he was just saying the right things on media day, but Dennis Schroeder also said he didn't really care about his role. He was talking about that on his Celtics.com interview with Mark D'Amico and Amanda Flugrad and he was basically like, no, I'm here to win. Like, I don't really care what my role is. Who knows if that's the case when the season actually comes around, but it seems like he's okay with it for now coming off the bench. But I think Ime Udoka's saying, you know, we're going to have a punch coming off the bench. That leads me to think Schroeder is the guy there. And I think everything Richardson has said makes a lot of sense to plug into that two spot in the starting lineup. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Richardson is just like when, when he talks about filling in the gaps, I, I think that obviously makes a lot of sense for, for the starting lineup because the starting lineup has, I think, all of the pillars that it needs, right? Like it has, you know, three guys who are all in, you know, ESPN's top 50. It has, you know, a big man who's wh- whichever big man it's going to be. It has like a talented big man. Like I think the Celtics have a, a, like a really good problem at center to try to figure out. I think the fifth member of that starting lineup, just being somebody who's like Richardson self-described, let me go be a dog out there on the defensive end let me you know hopefully I can make enough threes Richardson very much understands what he needs to do if the punch off the bench is Schroeder and Rob or Schroeder and Horford I mean that's that's a pretty good punch like that's that's good stuff so I I think Schroeder coming off the bench still makes sense even though I really I mean I really have kind of you know kind of looking at numbers and then talking to you guys like I, I think I'm even higher on the Schroeder acquisition than I was when it happens and now it's just kind of I think that guy's pretty good but at the same time I think Richardson as kind of that gap filler as he put it yesterday I think he makes the most sense for sure yeah I mean we talk so much about the need for scoring but the one place that that's not an issue is the starting lineup because it has Jalen and Jason on the floor at the same time. So I think there's totally a reason for them to want to stagger the rest of that. And the bench of late has been like such a low point in terms of production. Like there were games last season where I think the bench would score like three points, nine points like single digits on multiple occasions. Like that's not going to happen if you have Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench. Like, I mean, I think the bench has improved outside of Schroeder. Like Peyton Pritchard will help that. Aaron Neesmith will help that. But like Josh Richardson isn't necessarily known for his offensive punch. So I think it makes way more sense to lean Schroeder just given the rest of the roster. Could not agree more. Now, if the starters struggle to score, I think it's actually really interesting to swap Richardson out for Schroeder because I think then you're looking at it at lineups where Schroeder Schroeder gets to play. And I mean, I think throughout the, the game, as like they stagger these lineups, I think lineups with Schroeder, Tatum, and Jalen are going to be really interesting because Schroeder is pretty tough in that way, like as a scorer. And if he's got that support from the Celtics' two best scorers, that's kind of interesting. Like that's kind of an interesting look. So I think, you know, I, I think that there's certainly room for that to, to shift around. But yeah, I think for all the reasons you guys said, I, I agree that Richardson makes the most sense there. And Schroeder could still be a part of that closing lineup. Like totally. just because Josh Richardson's yeah starts doesn't mean he's going to be like on the floor in the most important moments that the Celtics did with smart you know over the years like a lot of times he didn't start but he did finish exactly yeah and I think that's a lot of times the case with closing lineups is you kind of a you ride who's got a hot hand that night say Schroeder's having a nice night you plug him in to that closing five or it's matchup based if Schroeder shoots like 36 37 from three again like he did in Oklahoma City I did like really is like such a game changer it's a huge game changer yeah (laughs) they need one other quality shooter really in, in that time group. 
I do just want to note that there's a lot of things with this team where we're like, if they play up to their potential, this could be great. Chances of them all hitting are pretty slim. So I just do want to reel in a little bit in saying that like, we're definitely, it's training camp, beginning of training camp. We're definitely taking a rosy view here. Of course. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, new school supplies and everything kind of with this one, right? But like, I do think that what it kind of demonstrates is that there is a level that the Celtics can hit if every everything goes right. You know, how close they get to that depends on how many of the things go right. Okay, let's say Horford is not who who the Celtics hope he is, but Schroeder shoots 37%. You know, they're not going to hit that A plus ceiling, but they can still get to like a B plus ceiling, which is better than kind of the basement. And like, you know, I think last year's team hit the basement of like what that team could be like, I, you know, I mean, I mean, they had a bad bench too, but like, you know, like a lot of things went wrong last year. Some things will go wrong this year, but presumably a few more than last year will go right, if that makes sense. The fact the fact that the ceiling is even as high as it could be, I think, speaks to how Brad was able to sort of still have a successful offseason. As we were talking, I was like, if none of these hit and the Celtics are really bad, I don't want people coming for us because I could see things also not working out per se. No, for sure. It's, it's always worth pumping the brakes. I have zero choice but to be rosy. The other corner of my NBA brain is watching Bradley Beal's horrific vaccine takes and Spencer Dimwitty try to buy a jersey patch for the Wizards. Like, it's dark over there, so I need to be rosy on this side. <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> Last question here. Initial impressions of Ime Udoka, I think, is the biggest, is the other really big training camp question. Obviously, you know, there's not much sample size right now. Guys kind of gave their first answers on Ime, and I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, obviously, he's kind of got this reputation as a hard ass that I think is being a little bit overblown probably you know I think he he mentioned or somebody mentioned early on you know that he was going to coach a little bit harder I don't you know I don't really know what that means like the one quote today that stuck out to me from Aaron Neesmith Peyton Pritchard and Jason Tatum all talked to the media in addition to Ime Neesmith said it was a lot of fun to be out there and compete with the guys and play in a professional setting you know he's talking about Ime he said he's a very upbeat guy very fun guy loves to compete so I think his personality is contagious and it'll trickle down throughout the team I mean over the course of Brad's tenure the best Celtics teams were the ones that that played really hard you know, the, the 2018 team, you know, the 2017 team that also went to the Eastern Conference Finals, like those teams, they just played their asses off and tried real hard. That was, I mean, that was the bulk of it. And I think you can look at times last year's team, the year before that, 2019, certainly when they didn't play their asses off. And like, it just, it really showed the, the difference and just how much trying hard can do for you as a team. So I think this Celtics roster is talented enough that if they, if they have a lot of buy-in, if they do have a lot of just kind of like try hard in them, yeah, there might be something there. Maybe they don't, and maybe they're bad. Don't come for us if this team sucks. It's interesting watching this, you know, player by player going through all these availabilities. This is the first time that I've covered a team with a new coach like this closely. Obviously, we've seen it with plenty of other teams, but it's interesting sort of watching them kind of go through the honeymoon phase in a sense where it's like everything is fresh. Everything is like the possibilities are endless entering camp and stuff. But I do think that this team, like we talked about with Jalen Brown after media day, they seem very bought in to Ime's style and kind of his blunt, I want to say style in in tougher style in comparison to Brad Stevens so I think it's off to a good start it sounds like guys like Pritchard and Neesmith who talked to the media today it sounds like they're really on board in addition to what some of the more significant players like Jalen Brown said during media day 
Yeah. And it will be fun to get a sense of what his tendencies are. Like, I think because he hasn't coached a game yet, we're still sort of operating under Brad Stevens coach team. And we're like, well, the rookies aren't, I mean, Brad eliminated that possibility regardless. So he may not play any rookies, but it'll be interesting to see what he adopts in terms of how he likes to coach. Like, will he play young guys? Will he always defer to the veterans? Like we really had a good sense for like how Brad operates and like, we could really predict what he would do, but we don't really know that yet for Ime. Yeah when Danny Ainge gave Brad like forced Brad to play like four rookies one year and Brad in his first season as GM said I'm trading our first round pick and I'm drafting and drafting stash guy you get zero rookies Ime not a single one is gonna grace uh this roster so enjoy that all right guys I think we can leave it there as always thank you all for listening thank you to anybody who's left us a rating or a review we really do appreciate it you know where to find us if you have any questions comments or concerns and we will talk to you all again later this week